Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Lead podcast brought to you by Ability, an experiential learning company based in beautiful Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Matthew Confer, and today on the show, we have David Knorr, who is the author of 10 books, including the bestsellers Co-Create and Relationship Economics. His newest book is called Curve Benders. He is an adjunct professor at Emory University, and his work has been featured in a variety of publications, including the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. Thanks so much for joining us today, David. Matt, it's good to be with you. I'm going to start by diving into something that I actually read in your bio. It mentions that you immigrated to the United States as a teenager. You only had $100 in your pocket. You had limited family ties, and you did not speak English. So can you talk a little bit about your origin story and maybe how it shaped who you are today? Sure. Uh, so I'm originally from Iran. Uh, parents are retired uh, teachers. Uh, and actually we were living in the Middle East uh, as the regime was changing. And my parents had the foresight that there wouldn't be a whole lot of future for me back in Iran. So uh, they sent me here to the US to live with an aunt and uncle. And it's a true story. I landed at JFK with a badge around my neck, put this kid on an Eastern airline flight to Atlanta. And by the way, he doesn't speak a word of English. So I came here, finished high school, got my Eagle Scout here. And uh, I'm the quintessential poster child for the American dream. Uh, you know, good education, got, was able to get into technology and consulting. And, and, you know, early on, I had both the incredible pleasure and the challenges of working for great leaders and some really tough ones. And as I developed my skills and my knowledge and my behaviors, I really believe in uh, that, I'm, that I'm a product of two very distinct cultures. And by that, I mean, if you've lived abroad, if you've worked abroad uh, in many parts of the world, you build a relationship first from which you do business. As Americans, we're so focused on the business part that if and only if that works, we'll may ask about the relationship. And I actually believe great leadership is a really nice hybrid blend of the two. And that's what's defined me and a lot of the executives I coach and organizations I've led over the years and, you know, worked in private equity, was president of a company and, and uh, it's been a really good, really good journey so far. It's, that's actually a perfect lead into the next question that I had, which was focused on one of the books that I, I think you're the most known for, which was Co-Create. And it was focused on the fact that your success isn't created alone, which is what you were kind of alluding to in that first question, that it needs to be correlated with others. Do you have a moment early in your career where you really, you realize that, that that really came to be a driver of why you were successful in that moment? The, the answer is yes. But instead of an individual moment, I think it's a culmination of several key ones. And, and one of them was dad drove into me early on the old adage that if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Hmm. And as I saw increasingly uh, you know, more sophisticated customers, as I saw increasingly more companies struggle to have all the answers and all the solutions. What I saw was an opportunity for two or more companies, organizations to come together. And Matt, just like we do with our kids, my wife and I've been married 25 years. We have two amazing kids and they don't stop being your kids at 10 or 20 or 30 or 40. 
-hmm. you also want you not only you bring the best of each of you you want the best for them as long as you're around so it dawned on me what if organizations came together two or more and 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 really thought about that same type of co-creation in their products in their services where they brought the best of themselves they committed long term to its viability and they invested in that and really saw net new growth opportunities from these uh these co-created opportunities co-created chances and we were able to research and find some great examples and uh to date it seems to be a, a very viable strategy beyond building it beyond buying it beyond partnering for it the fourth option is really co-created with others what's the hesitancy when you get pushback what what do people resist about it is that they've never thought about it that way and how do you get over that that hesitancy or that initial resistance you're trying something new with the old adage of what you know and an environment and structure that you're comfortable with so just like why don't more people get married or stay married it's a commitment it's a long-term commitment and you know a lot of uh, small minds squash big ideas because they're worried about protecting their sandbox whoa 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 who's going to own that ip okay let's go let's go prove that that ip works and it's viable and by the way it's net new growth it doesn't risk the existing business it's upside so i learned years ago i'm not in the business of trying to convince somebody that this is good for them or this is viable and the common thread with the global clients i'm lucky to work with is that visionary leader who says what's gotten us successful today may or may not be what gets us to the next evolution of our growth so unless we think and lead differently, we're not going to remain relevant. And this is that opportunity to think and lead differently in going after, you know, really interesting new segments or new spaces or new areas where it's not your core competency. And it's going to take a whole lot of time, effort, resources to try to develop it. So why not go to market and co-create it with customers, with partners, sometimes with the most unlikely sources? but they're the ones that are gonna really elevate you to a different level. One of the things that I liked a lot about your writing and the videos that I saw of you was you talk a lot about the power of creativity and why it's a growth driver that you've seen time and time again. How do you help to foster, let's say creativity in yourself, but also creativity in those that you work with? No question. Uh, you know, we're whenever we're most leaders when we're facing a challenge or an opportunity mad we often ask what should we do and how should we do it we don't ask enough who questions who do we, there are no new challenges there are no new problems the only new challenges and problems are the ones you haven't seen before so i'm a huge believer of a really start to identify what relationships do we need who's seen this who's done this next who do we know Right. And how do we connect the dots with value add? The challenge is their scenario is going to be very different than yours. So that's where creativity really comes in. And how do we take those lessons? How do we really understand what worked for them and what didn't and really adapt it to our environment, really adapt it in a way where we can quickly test something? And that's a lot of my coaching and consulting is build a culture of experimentation, build a culture that's willing to iterate let's let's do the same thing better you do enough of that it lends itself really nicely to innovation which is how do we do new things you do enough of that it's a stair step to disruption which is how do we do new things that makes the old obsolete 
the common thread, the connective tissue in that culture, in that environment, where people are not afraid to taking prudent risk and testing new ideas is going to be creativity. And it's going to be creativity that is really fostered from within. Uh, one final comment for you on this topic. I've always believed, and I coach leaders, find a way to light a fire within your people because lighting a fire under them doesn't last. Hmm. Motivation is intrinsic. It has to come from within individuals who realize that only through a growth mindset, only through an entrepreneurial mindset, only through a digital mindset will they continue to learn, grow, and remain relevant. That's fascinating. And and the one thing that you wrote about, I think it was in your newest book, um, was about the future of work. And I think that was curve benders. What are the high level themes that you see? Obviously, people who are more creative, I think, are going to thrive in the world that you see. But what are some of the other themes that you see, call it in the next 5, 10, 15 years that we should all be prepared for? Sure. So first and foremost, curve benders are a few really strategic relationships that elevate your thinking, elevate your perspective. So uh, I thought, started thinking about this, this topic well before this global pandemic. The pandemic just reinforced it and really brought home a lot of the key assertions and assumptions that I was making and that our research had showed, which is, Matt, we're going to face more disruption in the next decade than we ever have. So this global pandemic is an example of one of 15 forces that we've identified that are going to continue to disrupt the way we work, the way we live, the way we play, the way we give to others. To remain relevant in this face of constant disruption, think of headwind, you're going to have to accelerate your learning and growth. For most of us, if we're learning at all, it's this linear curve, this 45-degree truck ramp that, that just kind of continues to slowly go up. A good example is think of our undergraduate studies, right? I don't know about you. It's been a few years since I've looked into differential calculus, right? Because that model is learn, learn, learn. Maybe at some point in the future, we'll figure out how to apply it. Well, I don't believe that model is going to suffice in the future. So what we've proven, again, our longitudinal research shows, I don't need a four-year degree from MIT. All I want to do is learn how to code. And believe it or not, I can get the foundation of that within about 30 days, by the way, for free. And I want to apply that learning to solve a problem. And then I want to learn something new to solve the next problem. So now I'm daisy chaining these learning opportunities together, and it becomes a hockey stick. Hmm. That's that nonlinear growth. And the fastest path up that hockey stick, again, are a few strategic relationships that I call curve vendors. I got it. So how do you, you're obviously somebody who thinks a lot and does a lot to help others. How do you organize your day? I don't want to say a normal day or a typical day because you might not have one, but are there certain things that you try to get accomplished every day or every week to keep you in some level of routine? It's a great question. I'm a big believer that we're all products of the advice we take. And a mentor drove into me years ago, this notion of SUG. S as in Sam, U as in U-turn, G as in George. And SUG stands for serious. What is so serious that if I don't get to it, it's going to hurt me? Hmm. That's typically my client work. That's typically the, the, you know, the, the really strategic things that I'm working on. U is urgent. What is so urgent that if I don't get to it, it's going to become serious and hurt me? Hmm. And then G is growth. 
Now, growth is upside. Growth is nice to have. Growth is nice to be able to get to. It's writing the next book. It's uh, researching that next really interesting topic I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by. You can't ignore growth, but it's silly to work on growth if the house is burning down. So I learned in grad school, I don't need much sleep. So I'm up at about 5 a.m. every morning, including weekends. Uh, by the time I either exercise or take the dogs for a walk and I get to my desk, I've got some really quiet time early in the morning. So I make a sub list on Sunday nights for the week based on my calendar and things that I've got going on. Every morning before I open email, before I write, before I do anything else, I kind of check my sub list and what do I got going on and you're going to chuckle. I print two copies. One, I tape to my bathroom mirror. So when I shower, shave, clean up, I'm looking at it. I know what I'm focused on. The other one I tape to my desk. So when I look down on my keyboard or I take notes or whatever, I look at it. And the point is to make it a living, breathing thing. And I cross off you know, progress that I make and I insert other things that kind of come up throughout the week. But that sug list seems to be a really good way for me to stay focused. And it almost like acts like guardrails of not just what I should be doing, but candidly, what I have no business doing, right? Don't get distracted by that shiny new object that tends to come across all of our radars. A topic that we talk about a lot on the show is evolution and, and how people evolve as a leader. I don't necessarily think you need to go all the way back to, you know, the first time you stepped foot on the shores of the U.S., but how do you think you've most evolved as a leader over the years? Probably the, the single biggest one is, and a friend, a guy named Peter Bregman has written a book, Leading with Emotional Courage. Uh, Matt, I'm a huge believer that if you don't feel, as a leader, if you don't feel anger, if you don't feel frustration, if you don't feel those things, you're not human. And if you don't feel those things, or you let yourself feel those things soon, you're not going to feel anything. The critical thing that I've certainly learned and I've evolved is you've got to find ways to feel those things yet separate them from your decision-making, separate them from your actions, separate them from your verbal communication. Hmm. And, and leaders who intentionally separate their emotions from their decision-making demonstrate this incredible sense of professional maturity. I don't know about you, I'm still a work in progress. I'm in awe of these executives that I see that are just, cool, calm, collected, regardless of what's happening. And they've mastered that. They've mastered not let emotions dictate their actions, not let that which gets under the skin. And we're all human beings. It happens to all of us. Dictate what they say, what they do, how they carry themselves. And I think that's where I've made, hopefully, some progress. But again, still a work in progress and a long way to go. As a final question before we shift to the rapid fire questions, what, what are you the most curious about? It doesn't have to be in anything that we've talked about up to this point. It doesn't have to be in anything that you're doing work currently on. What are you the most curious about right now in your space, outside of your space? The, the floor is yours. What am I most curious about? Uh, probably space. Uh, uh, ever since I can remember, I wanted to be an astronaut. And I was actually headed for the U.S. Air Force Academy until we figured out that I needed glasses. I needed corrective vision. Uh, so I, I am, I am uh, mesmerized by uh, all that we don't know and all that's out there for us to explore. And I think that exploration is absolutely part of our evolutionary nature. 
we we don't want to stay still. We don't want to, you know, believe in or rest on our laurels with status quo. It's always reaching. It's always exploring. It's always pushing the frontiers that we're unsure of what's on the other side. Well, the unknown in space is a wonderful spot to uh, shift to the final two rapid fire questions that I get to ask all of our guests. And question number one is this, if you could describe your leadership style in one word, what would that word be? Uh, I'm going to share what others have called it, which is visionary, Uh, seeing what others uh, can't, don't, uh, seeing the possible, seeing uh, what could be probable. Uh, So really creating a crystal vision about where we're going and how we're going to get there. And the final question is this, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Uh, A mentor years ago told me to throw away my stopwatch and get a compass. And in all candor, I didn't get it then. But what he was saying is it doesn't matter how fast we do anything. It matters a great deal of which direction. So if, if you don't have a direction, if you don't have, it's going to be very difficult for others to follow you. And I often talk to leaders about paint a picture of a promised land that's worth me following you for. So where are we going? How are we going to get there? I, I want to believe you today. I want to believe in you as we reach for that. So that whole throw away your stopwatch and get a compass resonated some 20 plus years later. That's what I'm trying to do. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, David. I really enjoyed the conversation. Where can our listeners find out more about you? Thank you for having me. Uh, probably the best place is our website, just norgroup, N-O-U-R group.com. And for you and your audience, I don't know about you guys, but more recently, the popular social networks have become polarizing and politicized and, and promotional. So we've actually created our own little private community called the Nor Forum. So if they go to norgroup.com slash forum, it's free. Come join us and let's continue the conversation. Well, thank you for all the great insight. Thanks to all of our wonderful listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed today's show, we would love a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. And we truly appreciate it when you share our show with your network. You can find me on social media at Matthew Confer. You can find our show on Instagram at Ability Sims. And you can find our organization at ability.com. I want to thank David again for joining us on this episode. And of course, I want to thank all of you for joining us on the Learn to Lead podcast. This podcast is produced by Ability, a leading provider of award-winning leadership development. You can find us at www.ability.com or by searching for Ability Leadership Development. Make sure to also check out our 12-week fully virtual mini MBA, The Invited MBA, a nights and weekends program that features experiential learning, mentorship, case studies, and networking. Find more information at www.invitedmba.com. Finally, be sure to subscribe to our podcast so that you get our next episode. We want to thank you all for joining us on the Learn to Lead podcast.